Hey Steve, Chris Barnes here. I uh, thought I'd record you a quick uh, voice intro. I'm uh, currently in the middle of the Gaff Topsails on the Newfoundland Trailway. Um, it's pretty remote out here. Not a lot around. Um, yeah, it's slow going. The track's super rough. But uh, it's amazing out here. It really is. It's like nowhere else I've ever been. Um, I'm at, I think, day five now at the moment. Um, Getting into uh, Grand Falls, Windsor tonight for a bit of resupply. Sleep inside. It'd be nice. Uh, Out of the rain, dry out some gear. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted to call say hi (laughs) thanks for doing everything you do keep it up hello again friends welcome to my back 40 and the my back 40 podcast i'm your host steve o'shaughnessy chris thanks for the voice intro i kind of felt like i lost you there at the end you okay buddy (laughs) You kind of like sound like you gapped out a little bit at the end. Probably just uh, sometimes when we're in these environments, I, I can kind of imagine him out there in the middle of nowhere or wherever he was recording that and just kind of looking around and being awestruck, you know, with the environment you're in. Um, I'm sure many of us who have done adventures like this have, have been there. And it's one of the things that brought, draws us back, right? And that's what, why we always want to go back to these places is I think one of those human requirements is to every now and then to be struck by awe at an environment. Um, I think it really brings things into perspective. Um, and I looked at pictures, uh, after he sent me the voice intro and, uh, it just looks so remote, uh, lots of water, (laughs) water didn't look like it was going to be an issue to harvest out there, but also, um, it just reminded me a lot of, I'm not going to wax lyrical about the divide again like i've been doing for the last year but um you get into these environments say like the like the basin and it's it's just like nothing you've ever seen before you know um like it's like mountain biking in moab you go down and ride bikes in moab and for the first day you're just like what the fuck man am i riding on mars it's just so crazy and uh those are those adventures that we need to get on it's like the earth is just so diverse man there's so many different ecosystems and and even even just on one trail you can go through multiple ecosystems i mean that's what i noticed the most about the divide is that as you're riding you're going from the the rugged rocky mountains in canada and as you go south it it just it just changes you can just watch um you just watch things change The, the plant life the the flora the fauna the the environment you're in the 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 storms you have to run away from that you're not used to. It's, it's just amazing. And, uh, definitely gives me the inspiration to want to head out on the trail again. If you want to send me a voice intro, like Chris did, please whip out your device, record me something and send it to my back 40 podcast at gmail.com. I'd really appreciate it. Helps bring an element to the show that I think is kind of cool. And, uh, I love hearing from the listeners out there, hearing about your adventures. It doesn't have to be that it could be anything. Share a thought. Uh, you're sitting having a beer in your your patio and you 
had a thought and you want to share it with the My Back 40 community, appreciate it. So don't be shy. Send them to myback40podcast at gmail.com. All right, so I want to send out a huge congratulations to Dean Anderson for finishing the Colorado Trail Race. Uh, it's 848 kilometers and 21,300 meters of ascent. That's just bananas on a single speed bike. So needless to say, I'm sure he walked a little bit. <laughs> he was using the third gear a little bit on that race. He finished that in, uh, let me just find the time here, uh, seven days, 18 hours, and 33 minutes. And uh, I'm not sure if it's been corrected yet, but Dean could be uh, the first Canadian to complete the Triple Crown of bikepacking. I uh, did the Tour Divide in 2016, the uh, Arizona Trail Race in 2018, and then the Colorado Trail Race this year. So, Dean, congratulations, man. You know, Dean's always been getting after it. He's, he's you know, I use this phrase sometimes, moving water don't freeze. That dude doesn't stop. He just goes and goes. And I, I also want to recognize um, his great family for, you know, taking such good care of him. You know, Kristen and his kids, they seem to always be there when he finishes. He has a great support structure behind him, helping him finish these things. And um, anyway, I, I can't say enough, Dean. I just want to say again, congratulations, man. And uh, super, super impressive with that time. I also want to give a shout out to our friend Doug Dunlop at Cold Bike, who is out there right now uh, riding the Silk Road mountain race, 1,880 kilometers with nearly nearly 32,000 meters of elevation. Um, and if you put that in perspective, so uh, those two, if you look at the two routes, the Colorado Trail Race, which is like, what, 800K, and the Silk Road, which is 1,800K, um, Colorado trail race is super punchy. <laughs> it has, it has, it's 10,000 meters short of, of having the same elevation as the silk road. And it's condensed into a fraction of the length of trail. So, um, right now, Doug is at, where is he at here? He is at kilometer 1041. So he's, uh, He's cap 31. So if you head on over to uh, srmr2023.mapprogress.com, you can follow Doug. And it looks like he's having a great adventure out there. I haven't been in touch with him. Uh, I was sending, you know what? I'm going to send him a message as soon as I get off here and see how he's doing. Um, but I know he is uh, he's, he's doing awesome. He's doing great. And uh, Doug is one tough motherfucker. And I know that he's going to finish that thing through hell or high water because that's the kind of dude he is. So I want to say congratulations again, Dean and Doug keep the rubber side down, buddy and keep pushing away. Um, I'm going to get this out. Maybe, maybe you'll hear this. I don't know. I don't know how the signal is out there. Probably not very good, <laughs> but uh, I'm really stoked for you guys. And uh, it's so awesome to see um, people just out there pushing their limits. Like what a dream ride, right? To, to head on over to, to Kyrgyzstan and, and, and ride in the Silk Road it just must be amazing. Um, and what an opportunity for Doug. So, um, so proud of you and stoked for you, bud. And then also again for Dean, like just to get out there and keep hacking at it and on a single speed, nonetheless, it's definitely, I've been riding my single speed around. I've been talking about it endlessly, but, um, I definitely love that bike, but I'm not sure if, uh, I would need a bit, a bit more training before I went out on another bike packing <laughs> race or event. Um, 
but you never know never know what's what could happen but anyway again congrats you guys and i uh, can't wait to catch up soon and dean i'm probably going to reach out to you maybe we can get together for a podcast all right i just want to thank a couple sponsors i want to thank dynamic cyclist if you're not happy with the way you're f- feeling and performing on the bike you probably need to stretch. You probably need to work on or need to work on your mobility and dynamic cyclists can help with the promo code MB40. You're going to save 25% off their programs. That's stretching, mobility, strength training, yoga, coaching. It's all in there in the palm of your hand with an app. And uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. So check them out, dynamiccyclist.com. You're going to get a seven-day free trial. And then if you use the code MB40, you're going to save 25%. That's a huge discount. I can't say enough about their programs. Me, I've been working on my hips, getting better slowly. Um, but you know what? It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. It takes discipline, of which I don't have. And I just, I'm just going to keep plugging away at it. It's all I can do, right? I also want to thank, you know, just a shout out in between here to Lakeside Bikes in Invermere. If you're ever visiting the Columbia Valley and you're looking for an awesome bike shop, the boys at Lakeside Bikes are there for you. Uh, check them out. They're right downtown in Vermeer, right across from Valhalla Pure, and another great new store here in Invermere. And I can't recommend those those guys enough. Um, they're a full service shop. They're attentive, fully stocked, and they're going to be able to get you out on your bike ASAP. So please check them out. Lakeside Bikes in Invermere, BC. I also want to give a shout out to Redshift Sports. Uh, my shock stop suspension on my uh, bike packing rig has been incredible. The seat post is amazing. The way it sucks up washboard, I can't even explain it. And I know a few of you have gone out on my recommendation and, and picked up one of those things, and I've heard back that you're digging it. So I couldn't be happier that you use that promo code MB40, which saved you 15% at Redshift Sports. I've got the shock stop suspension stem, the seat post, and I've got a set of their arc light pedals. Truth be told, I have not used the lights in the pedals yet. I haven't been riding a lot at night. I'm not really a commuter, but I wanted a good, flat, sharp pedal for the bike packing rig, and they're they're fantastic. My foot doesn't slip around at all. So I highly recommend them. So don't forget MB40 is going to save you 15% at Redshift Sports, redshiftsports.com. I also want to thank Ryan Draper, my longest running supporter on the My Back 40 podcast. And if you use the code MB40, getting there's a bit of a pattern here, you're going to save 50% off your first month of coaching. Love Ryan. We need to catch up, my friend. We need to do a podcast soon. And uh, that's another deal I'm going to be reaching out to right after I get off the mic here. So I hope those, the, the promo spots I put out are okay. I try to make them short. I try to make them sweet. I try to make them relevant. I think it's important. And uh, I just, you know, I want to thank everyone for checking out my sponsors. And if you get out and support those dudes, those companies, you're going to support me in return. So it's a great way to support the MyBag40 podcast. If you find value in the podcast, you can also send me one-time donations and you can also subscribe on my Patreon for $5 a month. You'll get free access to episodes. I'm hoping to grow that as time goes on and bandwidth increases in my life. But right now, that's my offer for you. And I think it's a pretty damn good one. I think you're going to dig it. So, uh, And of course, the easiest way to support the My Bag 40 podcast is to share it with your friends. Give it a five-star rating and a review on your favorite listening platform. That helps me reach more people and get through the algorithm. And you know what I noticed the other day? is, uh, I mean, I haven't been podcasting for like a decade or anything like that, but you know what, three or four years now. And the podcast space is filled with, um, 
movie stars, uh, musicians, uh, people who have a lot of exposure <laughs> in the public world. And for little platforms like mine, it really gets lost in the shuffle. So uh, the way to get around that is to promote it, share it, review it, rate it, give it a five-star rating. And that just helps. So, you know, for a little dude like me, who's trying to make a living, uh, talking to you guys, talking your ears off, uh, it really helps me out and I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, if you find value, don't forget to reach out for support. Otherwise just give me a five-star rating and a review and that would be fantastic. All right. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Jocelyn Dolorosa. Um, he's a bike packer dude that I've come across many, many times, either casually or just in the middle of an event. And, uh, this year on the lost elephant, I was hoping to catch up with him to have a chat, but he actually skipped the first resupply. So I didn't get to see him. Um, and it was himself and Megan Hakkinen who were vying for first place. And if you were watching the dots, you would have saw them kind of yo-yoing back and forth, like taking first, second, first, second, first, second. And then suddenly Jocelyn, Jocelyn stopped. He just stopped. He went blank for a while. Yeah, or he went in his shadow out there for a while. He wasn't moving. And then he started kind of hiking, uh, moving west. And I was always wondering what, what happened. I wasn't sure what happened to him. So I wanted to reach out and find out his story, not only to get to know Jocelyn a little bit better, but to also, you know, about his background, his cycling background, his life, um, and just also what happened on that event. And he got really lucky. And the 2023 Lost Elephant, uh, it was a tough one. And there are a lot of people, you know, um, Andy Ward got injured. Um, a lot of people were kind of affected by the fires and weren't interested in continuing. You know, it's hard. These things are really, really tough. Um, and especially Nathan Siemens, they put on a really tough, tough route. And to be bikepacking through the Canadian Rockies like these guys were and guys and girls were um, is uh, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage. And nose to the grindstone kind of effort to complete these endurance events. So it was great to talk to Jocelyn and I hope you enjoy this conversation. And without further delay, I bring you Jocelyn De La Rosa. All right. Is this working? Two IT guys with technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny too. And I'm having all these audio anomalies as well. Yeah. Weird. Really? Yeah. Totally weird. <clears throat> Yeah, super weird. How's it going? Yeah, it's going well. Week has been a bit hectic and very busy, but yeah, it's going well. Getting yeah. there. It's it's <laughs> it can be hard yeah. when you're an IT dude to like take time off, hey? Eh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, my company is pretty good for that. Like they they respect like I have they have pretty good policy to take time off, but yeah. I'm on call every, like once every four weeks, for a week. And this is my on call week. Oh, no. So I, I got paged, like, like I came back from uh, the last elephant and uh, just the next morning I was already paged and it did, it did not stop. <laughs> yeah. So you uh, actually found your LinkedIn today and I started following you, but uh, what's, what's your, what do you do? What's your day, your day job? Uh, I'm a software engineer for Instacart, um, and yeah, I work mostly, mostly on the infrastructure side of things. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I spend my days on a laptop, on a computer, and 
go to ride when I can. <laughs> Code Wrangler. Hey. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Yeah. What was the who's that dude? Um Greg Matthews that was on the Lost Elephant. He's a he's a coder as well. I don't know who he works for, but okay. he's a remote worker where he lives in Nelson and just punches up code all day. Yeah. Do you like working from home? Do you, do you dig that gig or what? Yeah, I actually like it. Uh, it was a bit hard at the beginning. Like I started working from home during COVID mm. like most people basically. Uh, I was in Toronto at the time and it was hard because, uh, well, from one day to the other, you don't see anybody else. Um, my girlfriend is also a software engineer. So she started working from home and you, like, we started spending like being 24 hours together all the time, <laughs> which was, yeah, it was pretty hard at the beginning, uh, until we found like, uh, a good balance, like when to take that time off and not to work like overwork because when you're home mm. you have this tendency of taking like you work with you all the time um like i was opening my laptop to answer emails and messages at at 9 p.m and yeah this this does, just doesn't work it's not it's not healthy so what, what do you think the compulsion is to do that is it just the convenience because you can just whip out your phone and you know, bring up whatever you guys, Outlook or Teams, and you can just like whip it out and see what's going on at any given time. It's just there all the time. Yeah, I think I think that's that's part of it. I think it's also like because everybody at the company started working from home at the same time. Like nobody had those limits. And so some people were starting to work uh, different hours. And so you end up with we already have people like both on the East coast and West coast. And so that's already three hours difference. And you had people started to work early in the day and then other later in the day. And so maybe at 9 PM, someone was working because they did not work during the morning and that's fine, but you don't have to enter them. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it's not, it sounds like you work for a good company. It's not like the company's putting those expectations on you. It's just interesting how, yeah. how it's hard to switch off like you're basically exactly. even, even though yeah. it's your home it's it's your home it's your it's your sanctuary but then you you inject work into it and it's it's almost like who is it um my buddy daryl he works for automatic and he uh -huh. where does he live do you know daryl um yeah i actually met him a few weeks ago how do you pronounce his last yeah. name shimo Dude, sorry, Daryl, you uh, yeah, told me how to pronounce it, but so he works for Automatic, and he um, he rents space like in town where he lives. I think he lives in Kelowna too, does he not? I think he lives in Vernon. Oh, Vernon. Kelowna, yeah. But um, yeah, he rents. He he participates in like group space, so it takes him out of his home into into a new space, and uh, he says that's great because then you can have that separation kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, for sure. But then yeah. it's just it's just more money, right? You got to pay, you know, a bit of rent on a desk or whatever. But it, it is, it is. I, I did that a bit in Kelowna, but I don't know. I, I at the end of the day, I prefer the convenience of working from home. Mm. Like I managed to, like with my girlfriend, we managed to find a place where we both have a dedicated office, and yeah. That's the office and that's it. At the, like when you're done with work, you can go out of the door, close the door yeah. and 
that's that's done. You need to leave all your devices in there. You need to leave your. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to like never bring the laptop. Never bring. Yeah. Put it like a timed lock on the door so that <laughs> it doesn't open till like nine a.m. the next day, kind of thing. Yeah. That's funny. I like my, I'm a, I'm a digital marketer and I can, I live in Chrome. Like I, everything's web-based for me, you know, even, yeah. even design, right. is all web-based. And, uh, I find I'm pretty productive at home. I find being at home, I, I feel like I'm in a more creative space than mm-hmm. when I'm in the office. Although I need to be there to capture moments kind of at the office and on the of floor course, yeah, and displays, blah, blah, blah. But um, so yeah, trying to find that balance is uh, is difficult. But let's stop talking about work. I wanted to know what you did. I know I, I read that you're a code wrangler, so I just wanted to find out some more about that. But that's cool. Um, how are you feeling? How's recovery after the lost elephant? It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, my legs were almost fully recovered yesterday. Yeah, uh, managed to go for a group ride yesterday afternoon, like a hard one. So. Right now, I'm a bit tired, but uh, yeah, pretty much recovered from the lost elephant. Uh, so, so tell me what happened. So, tell me what happened. Uh, so, where should I start? <laughs> um, like, so, well, yeah, like, you know what? Know? Let's yeah. start at the beginning, up until the point where you had to you had to get yourself out of there. So, just yeah, what was the? I mean, this from what I'm to understand, this and I've done how many have I done? Two lost elephants yeah. or three? Like they change all the time. Um, I did it once with gears and ITT. I did it once as a grand depart on a single speed and they're different all the time and they're super challenging, but apparently this yeah. one was the most challenging yet. That's, yeah. That's what Nathan said. Yeah. Yeah. So it was challenging for sure. Uh, yeah. So from the beginning, I guess, uh, started at six, like everybody was there a bit earlier. You can you could see like the excitement in the air for sure. Everybody taking pictures and video, and then at six we started rolling, uh, starting along this rail trail out of Cranbrook. Um, was a nice pace. It was a bit chilly, but yeah, felt felt really good to be on the bike. Uh, pretty quickly, like we went down this uh, just very steep inclined, like not a long one. I guess like it's 10k out of Cranbrook or something like that. And you had people uh, like walking the incline, some people just send it and some people lost butter, lost bottles and things like that in there. Like just beginning of the ride that starts well. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, pretty quickly I pushed like to be towards the front. I, I was there to race. So yeah, I wanted to be like towards the front. Um, and yeah, started rolling. It was a beautiful morning, even if, even though it was a bit smoky. Mm. Uh, like you've heard about the, the fire out, right out of Cranbrook, I guess. Mm. So yeah. Uh, then the first difficulty of the day was the first hike bike around kilometer thirty. Uh, this was a fun one. Um, actually, right before the hike bike, there was I don't know five hundred meters or maybe a kilometer of bushwhacking. <laughs> Uh, where where you could not find the trail, of course, and yeah, just follow a line on the map. <laughs> Very hard. I, I think I was third or third or fourth at that point. Um, and then hit the hike bike, uh, so super steep, doing bike push-ups to go up. <laughs> bike push-ups. And uh, the last 
the last uh, section of the hike bike was this rock for like I don't know this ledge on for uh, rocks that fall fell on the side of the mountain. Think Coco Claim, basically. Yeah, except like, on, except on an angle. Uh, exactly, <laughs> except on an angle. Not long, but but tedious and yeah, uh, not easy. Uh, then started to go down on the other side. That's where I crossed path with Andy. Andy Ward. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about his story. Uh, I didn't talk to him directly, uh, but um, yeah, tell it. T- what, what was yeah. his condition yeah. when you saw him? Well, it, when I saw him, he was on the side of the road and he seems okay. And he told me, like, just go, go, go. Uh, I'm fine. Go. So I did not worry about him. Like, we were 30K in. Uh, I was like, yeah, okay, he's, he must be fine. Just stop, stopped or something like that. And then when I chatted a bit later with Megan, she told me that he crashed, actually just completely tackled his wheel, went over the bars, uh, hit his head. And oh, he did hit his yeah, head, eh? Yeah, chatted, chatting with him afterwards. So he broke a finger as well mm-hmm. uh, and he did surgery. So yeah, like not not fun. And he had to carry his bike mm-hmm. like out of there to, to pavement. Uh, yeah, and from what I I understand, he's the kind of guy who really sends it, mm-hmm. like on the defense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what I'm to understand is he yeah. hit a water bar. Like a lot, a lot of people were were. It might have been that descent you were talking about. Was that yeah. was that after the hike a bike? Yeah, right yeah. after the hike bike. And then there's yeah. a, there's a there's a pretty fast descent, and there was just these water bars. And yes, a lot yes, of people exactly. were getting bucked going through those. Oh, yeah. okay. And sounds like yeah. he. He might have got bucked, and then either you know his front wheel collapsed, and then yeah, he just went down. It's it's kind of scary, actually. That's um, a scary one. Yeah. yeah, it is. But he's okay. Yeah. For people listening, like he's he's good. He's a tough motherfucker for sure. And he <laughs> <laughs> he walked his ass out and got a ride to ER. I actually I I sent him an Instagram message from Fairmont, and. uh Oh, no, that's not true. Where, where did I send him that? Oh, I just asked him if he wanted to go live. Hey, man, do you want to come on and talk about it? And he's like, no, I'm going to emergency. I can't talk right now. So, yeah, I kind of I, uh, I missed him. It would have been good to talk to him, but I'm glad he's okay. So continue. Cool. Um, yeah, so at that point, I knew that in front of me, there were, uh, like, Megan was there. Uh, there was a guy named Nick. Um and two two guys riding the the Dumbo route, uh, Dallas and I don't remember the guy's name. And yeah, I, I was betting that they were not far, so I tried to push the pace and catch up with them. Um, and I don't know, like ten k later, I was descending and I hit the ground. I wiped out. Oh, you did crash. And, yeah, I did crash. Like, uh, it was not like it was not a big deal. Like, I ended up in a bush, but my <laughs> my bike actually went out of the road on the side and ended up like three meters or four meters down. And so I think like the bike hit the ground really hard. Uh, I managed to retrieve the bike, check that everything was okay. My bars were like sideways. Aero bars were a bit sideways and things like that. So I just aligned everything and just kept rolling. And yeah, did not worry about it at all. 
then I caught up with, uh, with the three riders in front of me, uh, and started riding, like basically, uh, riding with them on and off, uh, either me in front or not. Uh, pretty soon we hit, uh, uh, like the, the split between the Dumbo and the Jumbo, and it was only, uh, Megan and me in front. Uh, and yeah, we were riding together on and off. Uh, like I stopped for water at some point, she was behind and then she passed me and, uh, I did not see her for the next 50 K, something like that. This was between, um, what's the name? Canals Flats and Fermos. Uh, and yeah, in, uh, I was going pretty fast on the single track leading to Fairmont. This was a fun one and realized I did not hit it like enough, definitely. So my frame bag was still full. Like I packed for the no resupply section and it was completely full. I had not opened the frame bag. I still had things on my like feed bag and stuff. So I decided to skip the resupply. So that's why we actually didn't meet. Uh, you did not, you did not miss me at the subway. Like, yeah, I, I, I didn't go. <laughs> Which I'm, you know what? I, that's, that's amazing. Like, I mean, obviously you, you and, and Megan, uh, pack super light. So you probably have the space for extra food, yep. but that's a long way to go. That's a lot of food to it bring, is, yeah. you know, like for a 500 K, uh, adventure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had about 12,000 calories. Wow. That's what I packed, uh, like in total. And I would have had enough, I think, like based on what was left when I, when I stopped basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, I knew also that, uh, Meg was stopped in Fairmont. So like it was my opportunity to pass in front of her and like be first for a bit. <laughs> I was pretty sure that, that, that she would, uh, catch up with me. Uh, but yeah, uh, so out of Fairmont, the climb was relentless. Like yeah. the climb of the ski hill up out of Fairmont was, it was starting to be really hot. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was around noon, I think. Um, and yeah, the climb is fully exposed until you turn off on some, uh, cross country tracks, uh, in the forest. Uh, and then it's a bit more shaded and it was way better. Uh, I stopped for water. Uh, dip my jersey into like the water and stuff, try to, to keep cool as much as possible and kept pushing. And I think that like maybe 10, 15 K later, uh, Meg caught up with me. Uh, and, and again, we started riding together like on and off, uh, on, uh, on the climbs. Um, the next climb was, I think the hardest one for me. Uh, it was the one up the Gal, the Gal Pass, yep. I think, something yep. like that. Yeah, the yep. Gal Pass. Yeah, and and it's like the first part is completely rideable, and then you hit this hiker bike section, which is it's still a gravel road, basically a gravel double track, but it's too steep and too loose to ride. Yeah. So you just push the bike. Yeah. It was three p.m. I looked at my computer and it was showing 43 degrees. Fuck, that's so hot. <laughs> so hot. And yeah, fully exposed. And yeah. And I know that Megan was like maybe 10 minutes in front, something like that. So I pushed the bike, pushed the bike and arrived at this, um, 
at this water crossing where she was just stopped, <laughs> stopped for water. Like maybe she stopped for like five or 10 minutes. I don't know. So like, oh, so happy to see someone. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so hard. And yeah. Uh, after that, like the end of the climb is actually a proper hiking trail, uh, with like proper hike bike, uh, to get to the top. And the other side was probably the most beautiful, uh, descent of the whole ride, you end up on this, like, it's all open with scenery of the mountains. You have wildflowers everywhere. And the gravel descent was almost smooth. Mm. So it was so good. Mm. Like, it was, yeah, really, really nice. Um, then we still rode on and off, and, but more and more together, basically. And as the night uh, fell, we kind of decided to ride together during the night uh, because it's safer mm -hmm. and yeah. Um, so we rode through the night, uh, took, I think two, two or three, two naps of maybe 20 minutes, something like that, just on the side of the road. It was very cold, uh, around like 3 p 3 AM. It was around six degrees, seven, six degrees. So. Like put an alarm clock for 20 minutes, but wake up 10 minutes later, actually, uh, before the alarm clock. Um, there were a few water crossing, which are challenging at, at night, because if you don't do the right thing, you end up with cold feet. Um, so yeah, had to stop a bunch of times. Uh, there was this section, uh, down middle pass, I think, uh, which was a full like bushwalking like the whole down was bushwhacking. Oh, another bushwhack. bushwhacking. Oh. Yeah. It, it was, it was kind of an overgrown trail that hasn't been used for, I don't know, a few years, if you want. And with like grass and leaves, like that are three or four feet high, we were yelling high, hay bear, like every 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's a scary part and very happy I was riding with her. Like yeah. it was, it was fun, but yeah, it was really nice to be with someone. It's uh, good, it's good to have a partner in crime, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we had pretty much the same pace. We were like, we had kind of like, we were, she was tired at some point. I was tired at some point. And so it worked out really well. Um, then the morning came. And it was even colder. It dropped down to four degrees wow, as the really? sun, like, yeah, the sun was still behind the mountains. Yeah. So you had light, but it was like four degrees and it was so cold. I think at that, at that point we were riding along, um, North White River, yeah. uh, for a route. So yeah. Uh, isn't it amazing how when you're in the mountains like that, how there can be almost a 40 degree difference? between it's one it's, part it's of the really day crazy. it's bananas you guys were obviously at elevation you're probably high as well right yes. so yeah yeah probably like yeah like it, it's yeah. it's it's hard to you know you got to prepare for that i think a lot of people go into mountain races sometimes and they're not fully prepared for law oh, it's 40 degrees how cold could it get well it could snow like four degrees is yeah. not far from freezing yeah. right it's crazy it is yeah it is for sure yeah, I kind of, I did not even bring a BV. I usually do. I only have like a, a sort of, um, like a, a blanket, like those, uh, 
foil blanket uh, just in case, which I didn't use. But yeah, you needed layers. I had like arm warmers, jackets, and yeah, it, it was, and I was still very cold. Um, then the sun rose up and we could see it like above the mountains and the heat started to climb. And we stopped for a nap, like a proper 30 minutes nap out in the sun. It was 8.30, I think, when we woke up, packed the bike, uh, Megan went ahead. I started five minutes later and was going down toward uh, White River Junction and my bar snapped. Yeah. Where did it break? So, was it right at the stem or? Right, right left, at the, right on the left of the stem. Wow. Like basically I ended up with the left part of the bar in my hand. Wow. My left hand. That's crazy. Oh. A full yeah. snap like that. Obviously a carbon bar. Carbon bars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Carbon bars. Yeah. So that was super scary. It was really a big oh shit moment. <laughs> did you crash? Did you actually? Yeah. I, you did, eh? So I managed to, to stay up for a bit and slow down just my, with my rear brake on my like, uh, right hand. And, but I ended up crashing. I was going down like 40 kilometers an hour. Oh my God, dude. So, so, I mean, you cannot do anything else. Yeah. And you were, you were probably Uh, on your hoods or you're in your drops. So the brakes were, you were on the the brakes already. Yeah. At least you weren't kind of riding high, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. At least. At least. Yeah. 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 So, yes, that was super scary. Uh, I got very lucky. I only got like some bruises and scratches on my left side. Uh, and like torn away torn apart my bibs and my uh, jacket and things like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's what happened. So yeah. How, how far, Step. how long did you have to walk out? Uh, I, so yeah, at that point I look at my, uh, at where I am, I see that there's a junction about, uh, five kilometers later, um, where maybe I can find people because, uh, for context, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I haven't seen anybody in the last 13 or 14 hours, like not even a car. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what I can do basically. Um, and I'm, I'm just hoping I can find someone uh, to, to rescue me. Uh, good thing I had an inreach, uh, and I was able to send a message to my girlfriend just to say, just like to tell her like, that's why my dot is, <laughs> is <Yeah>. done, basically. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Um, but I, I did not have like a phone number of people in the area. Like I don't know many people in the area. So except like the only people I know were racing basically. Yeah. So they could not rescue me anyway. So I kind of walked and hopped on the bike a bit uh, for the next 5k and passed, um, where I passed a car that was towing a trailer. And the car was empty at the, at the time, uh, but gave me confidence. Like the first car I'm seeing yeah. in like 250k, maybe people are actually around. Um, yeah, and you were heading east and, at that time, right? You were kind of heading back towards yeah, the highway, yeah. if I remember your yeah, dot. Fair. So you're getting into, yeah, you're getting back into civilization, you know, as you, the further. Uh, uh, yes, yes, kind of, bit. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah a little bit. And so I ended up at at the junction, um, waited for, I don't know, 15 minutes and then saw the car that I passed earlier coming down the same way I was coming down, stopped the car, asked, uh, the guy 
who was in there explained my situation and turns out he was just collecting firewood in the area mm. and he was going back to Kimberley uh, three hours later. Perfect. So I was like, he was like, yeah, maybe you don't want to wait three hours. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm happy to wait I'm three happy. hours. <laughs> <laughs> got lots of food. I got about another 6,000 exactly. calories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like no problem. So I just went to the river and uh, I guess it's White River and, uh, over there and just chilled, uh, took a, an, an hour nap, uh, eat food, like I ate some nuts and just did nothing for three hours. And three hours later, the guy came and picked me up and drove me back to Kimberley. So that was like super lucky. Uh, and from Kimberley, I managed to strap my bars, uh, like my, the left side of my bars onto my other, on, onto the right side and uh, rode back to Primebrook. That's a, a red trail, like a bike trail Yeah. Uh, between the two. And so I did that with one hand uh, and yeah, it was fine. Man, you know, it's funny you, you I was, I, was I talking about this? I can't remember where I was talking about this on a podcast where we put so much faith in our equipment, you know, like we really put a lot of faith in our equipment and, and I'm lucky. I haven't had anything crazy happen like mechanically in, I mean, you, you've ridden thousands of more kilometers than I ever have, but it's like, I'm always super aware that so much can go wrong when you don't expect it. Yeah. You know, like in the, especially when you're in the middle of nowhere like that. And then, and then, yeah, I super lucky, super lucky that you didn't crash really hard, you know, cause I, the, the, something like that, like you don't think about bars breaking, uh, and that could be life altering. That could be like dental work, right? That could be oh. broken yes. collarbones and it, it just could. And, and, and I think too, we, we rely a lot on our riding skill. Right. And our preparedness to be able to recover from something like that as well. Right. Being aware and like the fact that you didn't go down just speaks a lot to your experience, your riding experience and skill, I think, as well. So, well, I'm glad you're OK. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, I really got really lucky. And yeah, I could have crashed like way, like have way more injuries. I could have crashed 100K before, like going down one of these those other path, passes and I go down pretty quick. Like I, I'm, re I'm riding a, like a rigid bike, but it's a rigid drop bar mountain bike and with big tires and yeah, I ride fast on the down and yeah, those could have broken any time basically between the two crashes. So I got really lucky. And it's so interesting too, that the failure was like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not catastrophic. Well, kind of catastrophic. There was no lead up to it. It's not like, you know, again, as an experienced cyclist, you know, you didn't feel any, oh, you know, like sometimes you'll feel something. No. It'll be like, kind of like if you drive a shitty car and you're constantly listening, you're constantly listening for those sounds, you know, yes, like yes, there's yes. No, no flex in the bar or anything. It was just this instant. Just not. Yeah. It just not. Crazy. Completely. So yeah. are you, are you going to say Yeah, like with... if, if you. No, no, you go. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say like, if you have a, like if a bolt is loose, for example, you feel it. Like if your true axle is loose, yeah. at some point, like you're going to feel it and you're like, okay, something is wrong. Yeah, if your stem off. is a bit loose, it's same thing. It's it's off. But here, no, there was nothing leading up to it. So that must have happened on that first crash, you think? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure of it. Yeah. yeah. I've had those bars for a bit more than a year. Yeah. 
and say they've been bombproof. I never crashed on them, but yeah, they've been really good and reliable. So I, yeah, I'm not blaming the barrels. Basically, mm. it's definitely like the first crash that I think cracked cracked them. Right, and I I don't yeah. Um, my buddy Dave, who rode the Divide the same year I did, I don't know, I can't remember, mm-hmm. or we did. Sorry, I can't remember yeah. when, uh, where he did it. But same thing, he, uh, I think his his bike just fell over and his bar broke, and he had a cutthroat. So whatever drop bar was probably stock on that bike. His bike just fell over yeah. and it just popped, just his bar popped, and then he had to get it. He ended up buying an alloy bar, I think. Are you gonna stick with carbon bars? I think I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're, they're still, like, they still provide a lot of dampening and flex. And because I'm riding a rigid bike, uh, it's it's really helpful on my wrist. Um, so I'd like to keep them. I've been thinking about getting a redshift stem instead and some alloy bars, but they, they still don't make a, short, a stem short enough for me. Uh, I need a 60 and the minimum is like an 80, I think. So yeah, it's. They, I had the same issue because uh, right now I I can't remember how long mine is. I think it's an 80. I ended up going with an 80 because I run a Jones bar. Yeah. They initially sent me, I think it was actually a 30 degree rise uh, to try to account for that. But, but. Um, with a Jones bar, it brings that pivot point too close and they don't work as well. Like they're, they're, exactly. I definitely yes. think they're more finely tuned for drop bar bikes. Uh, because especially if you're on the hoods, you know, you're, you're going to get yeah. the movement where I find on a Jones bar, if I'm choked up, you know, up to the loop, which is usually where I ride, that's where I get the suspension. But it's on most lock, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, as soon as your hands go behind the pivot, then you're, you're not activating the suspension, right? So yeah. when you're on a Jones bar and you're at the you're at the ends where you'd be if you were doing a downhill, or when it gets technical, mm-hmm. you get wider. The, 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 it's counterintuitive because you want more suspension, but it actually gets <laughs> it gets less. Um, <laughs> I still love it though. I still love how what it takes away from the from the terrain, definitely. Um, yeah. And then, do you run a suspension seat post? No, mm. I don't. No. That's pretty nice as well, actually. I find them really nice. Just kind of smooths out the the washboard a bit. But yeah, yeah, we like we just put so much faith in our equipment, and and uh, yeah, that's gross. That that year I did I single speeded the Lost Elephant, about fifty k in my rear brake failed. That was in twenty whenever eighteen, I think it might have been. And yeah, I remember riding the rest. It's like I'm gonna drag this fucking bike to the finish because. I'm not going to stop because my brake failed. I actually took the brake off and I had to crack the caliper so that the brakes okay. weren't so the brakes weren't on. I think it was it was heat and it was also the the master cylinder was having issues as well. So I cracked oh. it to let the pressure off so the pads weren't touching at all. But yeah, every every descent I was doing is all front brake and you could feel yeah. And you could which is kind of the brake you want, you know, really? Like, it is it is for sure. It is. Yeah. Yes. But but on a long descent, the reach it would get a, it was getting bigger and bigger because as it was heating up, the fluid was heating up, the reach was getting long, and I, I was constantly planning where I was going to put my feet when the front brake failed. <laughs> like you're just constantly running the scenarios in your head. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a that's kind of a major mechanical failure I've had, 
And it, uh, it is, it is definitely, yeah. Yeah, and on the lost elephant, doesn't matter what route it is, you you need your brakes. <laughs> you gotta have reliable <laughs> <Yes>. brakes. <laughs> you do. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for sharing that story. I, I mean, I saw, I was watching your dots and I was like, man, this is going to be a sprint finish. These two are going to get to the end and I don't know how this is going to end, but it's going to be a sprint for sure. And then suddenly I just, I refreshed. I can't remember. There was a gap in time and I was like, what are you doing? Where'd he go? And you were off route and you were going East. And, uh, yeah, I reached out to Nathan to see what happened and, and yeah, he kind of gave me the lowdown. but, uh, yeah, glad you're okay. Um, it seems Thanks. like you and I have these chance encounters in these events. You and I are always kind of like, Hey, Jocelyn, you know, and it's like, we yeah. just kind hey, of, Steve. yeah, yeah, we're always <laughs> crossing paths, but we haven't had a chance to really, you know, talk and get to know each other. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I remember. Hey, thanks for having me. That's oh, it was my pleasure, man. I remember, um, b- well, last year on the divide, um, we met, I can't even remember. I, I'm trying to, exp- I try to explain to people where that was. It was near that church. You told me about this church. You're, you're going yes. northbound and you're coming uphill and I was coming down. And honestly, before I met you and we had kind of chatted about this, that, that stretch, um, was so long and so remote. Like you were going into it. I was coming kind of out of it. Well, yeah. not even out of it because even past that, that's, going it's a hard one it was so tough and it wasn't like it was uh the terrain wasn't hard it was just so the climbs were so sustained it was super hot and i was alone for it seemed like i was alone forever and then i see you coming up the hill and i remember we stopped and chatted and i was just like oh dude it's so good to see you like to see somebody you know and uh yeah i was in a dark place and you really helped me out just that chance encounter and a little bit of recon or a little bit of uh, information about what was coming up. But I went to that church and I lingered there for probably about an hour. I just sat under that. It was a good place to stop. Yeah. yeah there was that big awning. And I was even thinking that that would have been a good place to sleep. Cause I, I pushed on past that. And then there was that uh, trail angel, those two bins that were yes. kind of right. Yeah. With candy and juice and stuff like that. And I kept going into the night and I was thinking, you know what? I'm just going to ride through the night. I'm just going to keep going. But then I ran into AJ. You would have passed AJ. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I saw him off the trail. And I was like, AJ, Steve. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm done. I'm sleeping right here. I just didn't want to go on. But um, it's 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 cool how, uh, you know, it, you meet someone and how it can just turn your, just turn your day yes. around. Yes. Oh, for sure, for sure. Especially on the divide. Like, it's so long. It's such a long ride that, like, you were reaching the end yeah. at that point, basically. So you, you'd been, like, you had been out there for, like, 20, 23 days, something like that. So it's, it's, it's very long. And I find that the more it went, like, the more I went into it and the more, like, those encounters really mattered to me and were important. Uh, just could, to keep my, uh, like my spirits up and be able to move forward. Like without that, it's, it's so hard to push. And I was thinking too, like, I, I think I do want to do it again at some point. Um, you know, I've heard, I've talked to other people recently, this guy, Tom Ebern, he just finished it and he sent me a message and he's like, you know, what? I don't think I want to do it again. Uh, cause there's so many other places to ride. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about going like the other going northbound 
Uh-huh. Um, I think that northbound would be tougher. I think it would be harder. I, I think you gain elevation faster. Um, and I also think you're alone more. Because yes, did you start yes. ITT or did you start with a group? Did you start with a group? No, I started ITT. Right. Um, I was supposed to, uh, yeah, for the story, I was supposed to start uh, as a ground depart, like the same place as you from Banff going south. But a month before I got hit by a car and I had Shit. a broken collarbone. And so I was like, okay, my, like, I, I had been training for the past six months, just you know how it is. Like <laughs> you think about the divide and it becomes your life basically before it. And I decided instead to move it by a month, like to start a month later as an ITT and go, sa- go, go north. So I could cross path with more people mm. basically and be a bit less alone. Mm. And also, um, like go, go back home. I live in Canada. So it, it was uh, like at least a, a target and a carrot to look forward yeah. to. Yeah, so yeah. Um, um, Darren Darren Madley wrote it, and, and he experienced yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of issues. He was having some heart issues, and I was kind of thinking that maybe it was if you look at the elevation profile, you gain elevation super quickly. Where coming southbound, I didn't really notice. Like even when we were at the highest passes, I think by then you've you kind of get fit on the fly. I find like I started yes. pretty yeah. off the couch to be honest, but by the time I you get into the mountains, I felt like a machine. And when I got to New Mexico, I, I was thinking, man, I could turn around and just ride back. Like I felt so good at that point. Um, did you find that uh, elevation gain? Did you notice it? I did notice it, especially because I was coming out of like two months of not riding. So it, it was it was like the, the beginning was hard. Uh, the elevation gain at the beginning, like in New Mexico, you gain it really, really fast. And as soon as you cross Colorado, like it's, yeah, you're up in above 2,000 meters every day. Um, so yes, yeah, I definitely noticed that the climbs going north felt steeper as well. Uh, a bit less long, but uh, steeper for sure. I think the only climb that was better on going north was Union Pass, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because except except for the except for the technical part right before the top, like right before yes. it gets punchy yes. there. Yeah, but it, it was actually better to go down the other side, like the side you went up, yeah. because the, this side is super technical and uh, chunky. Uh, so it was it was better to go down that. I think it's the only pass that is a bit easier going going northbound. Um, yeah, I think the wind it just depends on like when you do it. So like if you're lucky or not. Yeah. People say there are like more winds going north, but I'm not sure. I, I think it would totally depend. I mean, I I I've, I heard horror stories about the basin, but. You know, I had the best time. I had a tailwind blowing me into the basin. The weather was good. Yeah. No rain. And then, you know, this year, the, the guys were riding in, in mud for 100 miles, right? Yes. Like it, it's exactly. That's that's what I find. Like, how, what's your opinion on this? I, I just, you know, I, I can understand they're chasing Mike Hall's record. You know, they're, they're chasing that record down. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to compare, you know, year to year because I think Mike Hall had a super dry year. Not a lot of snow. Yeah. Um, like even the year uh, people ask me, it's like, 
well, how was it at the higher elevation? I said, oh, I think I probably walked 16 hours through passes, right? Through snow, like ankle to shin deep snow sometimes. And it's like on, on the next year, like this year, it didn't, didn't seem like they had as much snow until they got to Colorado. So it's like, it's never an apples to apples comparison. It's not like, like a time trial where it's say on a flat track or a velodrome, which is so consistent and there's no wind and it's flat. And you know, it's, it's like, I find it really difficult. Like, uh, like Ulrich, if, if he had a similar year to what Mike had, he likely would have tied it or beat yes, it, right? For sure. Uh, yes, for sure. So yeah. I, I just, it's it's an interesting, uh, I just find it's kind of an, it, it, it'd be cool if they could kind of correlate it somehow um, in some way. Like even Sofiane's run, they were saying that, you know, if he, if he, if he had an apples to apples course, he probably would have beat the record as well, right? Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. 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 So Megan was telling me you're you're training for Paris Brest Paris. Yes, I am. Yeah, actually, yeah. So so tell me yeah. about that. I don't know a lot about that race. So yeah, it's not really a race. Random. Uh, there's no. Yeah, it's random ring, so it's not not competitive. Uh, it's kind of the biggest worldwide like ride, uh, like randoner ride. Uh, it happens this year in. Um, on August 20th, and it happens every four years. Uh, I think there are about 6,500 pe- people uh, registered wow. at the start. We start this year. What, do they all start at the same people. time? No, there are waves. Right. Are waves. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's 1,200 kilometers, about, uh, about 12,000 meters of climbing, mostly rolling hills there are no mountains on this part of france and it starts in paris well right outside of paris actually and goes to brest which is in Brittany, on the on the i guess on the atlantic and then goes back uh, is it a loop or is it an out and back it's an out and back some parts are not the same going out and back but uh, some of some of them are so and, and is it the, the type of event where you kind of pick your own route from A to B or is it, an no. esta- it's a stop? No, you have a, you have a route. Yeah. It, it's, it's right. established and you have to stop at control points on the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the driving force for you for getting into these things? It's mostly pushing myself. I would say I'm not very competitive and like racing like this year is really the first year I started racing against other people, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I think it's mostly to push myself more because if there are other people, I will push myself more. Um, but it's, yeah, I think it's mostly pushing myself. And in the case of bikepacking, it's discovering like new places and visiting new places, uh, being lost like away from civilization from days or weeks. I, I find that really restoring mentally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess in your line of work too, like you're probably fairly high functioning most of the time. So it must be nice to get out there and just kind of like turn it off. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yes. 
Yeah. Do you, I mean, you're pretty, you're pretty young, dude. How old are you? 33. Do you find that, um, there's some profound realizations or do you learn about yourself when you're, Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like learned a lot during, during the tour divide and also learned about like, it definitely changed the way I live my life today. Like just being able to let things go and not worry about things too much. I'm someone who like everything needs to be like, I, I think about everything. Like I'm kind of an over planner and for like for bikepacking, like I research everything and, and so on. And if something is not right, I try to fix it. Except that when you're bikepacking, when you're riding those long, long distances, something won't go right all the time. Like something will go wrong, of course. And you have to accept it and live with it. And yeah, that's, that's a big learning. <laughs> it's funny. Like if you've listened to the podcast for, you know, the last year, you'll know that, you know, my life has taken some pretty major alterations. And I I found that when I went into the tour divide, I went in with some intentions. I really wanted to do it faster, but even, even after the first day I knew it's like, you know what, (laughs) this I'm, I need to just chill because this is one, it could be a once in a lifetime ride for me. Like I do want to do it again, but it could be just Mm -hmm. once. Right. So one, I really wanted to enjoy it, but I really wanted to get a lot out of it. And I feel the same way coming back. I feel like um, attenuated. I use that word a lot. It's just, you know, like I'm an, I'm an emotional guy and it's like, I just found Mm -hmm. that the release I got, the attenuation I got by going out there and the processing I was able to do, you know, which, which I think why it's so hard to be alone for so long because you're, you're just, you're in your head. And I, and I joke, like I have headphones in a lot because, you know, I succumb to monkey mind a lot. Like it's just constantly, it's neurotic actually. It's horrible. But on the divide, I learned to, to, to do distances without that distraction and just really try to be present and in the moment. And when I came back, I just, you know, my life changed quite rapidly after that point. But Mm -hmm. I found, and despite it being, things being really difficult and really emotional. I felt like I, the tour divide set me up better for exactly that, like problem solving, um, which is crazy. Cause I can't imagine if I went into my, this next chapter of my life without having doing the tour divide, I'd probably be a disaster right now. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it sounds, it's, it sounds kind of woo and, and weird. And no, I completely, I completely understand it. I completely understand it. Yeah. And when you try to explain that to people, I think that's why I really like having these conversations because when you, you hear other people tell you the same thing, it's like, yeah, you know, I feel the same way. This is the way I, I come out of it and I feel like this. And I think there's a, that that's what drives this year's weird for me. I feel like this isn't my season. I just think there's too much going on for me and I need to, you know, focus. I need to come out the other side and then mm-hmm. maybe start doing stuff. We'll see maybe next year. But, um, I think that's, that's a drive for a lot of people is, is it's what's next, do the next thing and the next thing. And I feel like that year I did the, 
the yo-yo and then I did the AR, which is a pretty big summer. I, I, I think I was like the happiest and most calm and attenuated I've ever been, you know, like, yeah, it's pretty profound what it can do for you. And that's why I think it's so important that people, it doesn't have to be bikepacking. It could be a hike, you know, it could be, you know, a colleague at work, she's going to go walk the El Camino, which, which has a spectrum of ways you can do it, but she wants to walk the whole thing. And, And I, I just think that, um, doing things like that and getting outside your comfort zone and, and going into these things alone and then making relationships along the way, like, you know, I, like you and I and Daryl and mm-hmm. I and, you know, talking to Igor at the, in Fairmont, you know, I saw him on the buckshot, but I was able to sit down and really talk to him, you know, and, and uh, I think there's that side of it as well, the camaraderie and the, and the, the times when you actually do meet up with someone uh, like the times that I rode the divide with say Tim and Jim and AJ and Jacob, it's like you, you sp- or meet you and Megan, right? You spend time riding mm-hmm. together and you really forge a tight bond with that person. For sure. Yes, for sure. Yeah. 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 Just going through hard things together. Like this bond is really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really tight bond. So what's next for you? What are you thinking? You're going to do Paris, Brest, Paris. Are you going to keep doing different things? Or do you want to, do you want to travel and do like the Silk Road or um, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like the Silk Road is, it's on my list. I don't know when that will happen, but it will for sure. It looks so, so beautiful and so remote at the same time. I'm honestly, I'm, it's scary as well. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think the route is so remote. It's in a country where I don't speak the language. So it makes it even more scary. The fact that it's organized is, is good. I think like I would not do it. I don't think I would do it if it was like the tour divide. Mm. Like just meet here and go <laughs> and you're on your own. The fact that it's organized by, uh, I don't know if it's a, like a company or, or whatever, uh, like Nelson tree, uh, and the way he does it, like you have this small safety net mm-hmm. that I think is important in those, those kind of race races. Um, I think next year I'd like to do the Highland trail 550 mm-hmm. in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been one that I, I've been wanting to do for a while. And yeah, I'd like to do that. I'm not sure if I will race it to be at the pointy end of things or just try to, to enjoy it. Um, people are telling me that it's not one to enjoy because <laughs> the, 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 the conditions can be so bad that, that you, it's better to race and, and not go there to enjoy it. So, so I don't know. It's, it's uh, funny. I just saw a photo of Joe Nation today because he he's riding it. Uh, I think he's touring it. Actually, he did it over. Yeah, like he's touring it. Eight yeah. days or whatever, and there's a picture of him wait like waist deep in a lake with his bike over his head. So yeah, you never know what you're gonna get. But you know what I can tell you is that I think that um, I'm not gonna say the tour divide was easy. It's not. It's hard. Uh, it's yeah. far, and but I, I didn't find the terrain that challenging. It's not. It's not challenging. No, in, in terms of is is how technical it is. Um, and it's races that we do here 
I mean, particularly, I haven't raced anywhere else, to be honest. I've only ever yeah. done the Tour de yeah. and BC things. But it's like the Lost Elephant, those races. And, you know, kudos to Nathan and the, the folks that set those races up. But they prepare you for the fucking worst, right? I agree. Bushwhacking, yeah. water crossing, psych <laughs> bikes. Yeah. Like, it really does. So when you when you get into the Tour Divide, you, you, you just... Or even like the BC Epic, right? Like a, a, a ride like that, which is, it's far, you know, and there's quite a bit of elevation, but it's not a technical ride. It's something you can just kind of sit and spin on, right? And it's more, yeah, of, yeah. it's more of that exercise of how long you can stay in the saddle, right, every day. Um, but yeah, the Highland 550 looks like a blast. I think, you know what? I think you could find the balance, you know, of... Yeah pushing yourself and enjoying it at the same time. I think that's, I think that's possible. Have you ever thought about the AZT or the Colorado trail or those ones? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, I, I don't own a mountain bike right now, mm. so I'm not even sure what I'm going to do for the Island trail. Just slap a flat um, bar on the bike you have. Yeah. Like yeah. it might be what mm. I do actually. Yeah. I can fit 2.8. So oh. I may go just to with big tires flat bar and, and that's it fully rigid. Um, yeah, uh, I've been thinking about the Colorado trail and Arizona trail. Uh, I really need to up my hiking game if I do that, because (laughs) those races are apparently like half hiking, half biking. So, um, yeah, that's something I I will need to do more. I think, um, there is also the Oregon timber trail. Mm -hmm in Oregon, which is like, I think 700 miles of single track. Uh, that's, that's, that's like a lot. Sounds pretty fun. <laughs> that, that's sounds a lot. fun. Yeah, that, that sounds fun. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. But, but it's, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, except for the Highland Trail, I don't have any like concrete plan for next year yeah. uh, yet. So keep riding and see what's coming. Let's go back. How'd you get hit by a car? What happened? Oh, uh, I was meeting a friend to get a beer after work. On your bike? And a car, Yeah, on my bike, on my commuter at the time. And the car came from in front of me and just turned on me. Not even at an intersection. Like, just randomly. Oh, was it intentional? No, it wasn't intentional. Apparently, they lost control. But they randomly like lost it at that point, oh, and I wasn't told. Isn't it crazy? Just, like, it's just bad luck. Like, yeah, just the odds, the odds of that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, another instance where it could have been side totally sideways. Could have been way worse, right? Yes, like the bike was completely destroyed. It was a steel frame, and it was cut in half. Wow, it's a frame. Wow, <laughs> you only broke your collarbone. Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah. So. Did that? Uh, did, were you rattled by that? A bit. I was definitely s- sketched out after that riding on the road. Uh, it took me a bit to get back the confidence. Like for instance, the race across America, right, or the Trans Am. These road mm-hmm. races, it's just they so they're. I mean, you know, Ram is supported, so you know you have people around you. The Trans Am's not, but it, that's right, right? Do I have that right? Trans Am's yes. self-support. Yes, that's right. Um, but just, just, just the odds, the, the odds of being out there and riding yeah. through the night, and yeah, you might have your blinky, you know, whatever. But it's, it's just like, 
all it takes. I, I'm even I even noticed it the other day. You know, I'm I'm driving and I'm 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 a good driver, and I think I just went to skip a song. I have my phone mounted right there with Spotify to my stereo, and it just like boop, and then I was like, you know, drifting a little bit, and it's like, yes, it doesn't have to be someone being negligent. It just has to be just a moment, you know, a moment. Yeah, of just like a split attention. second of. Yeah, split second of inattention. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't appeal to me at all. Not at all. What do you got going on uh, this weekend? Yeah. Uh, not much actually. Uh-huh. Uh, just resting, spending time with my girlfriends, uh-huh. uh, meeting some friends on Sunday for a barbecue, and yeah, maybe going on on the ride, like taking it easy for now. Yeah. Uh, I'll. I'll keep training a bit for the weeks after that, uh, before Paris, 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 but I won't change. It won't change much. I mean, like it's in three weeks now. So yeah. <laughs> Where are you from originally? I'm from France. You're from France. Yeah. Uh, when did you move here? Um, you- just the opportunity to do so with my girlfriend wanted to, to change. Basically we were living in Paris at the time did not like it very much and yeah applied for permanent residency got it moved to canada wow just like that hey yeah just like that <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been in canada yeah. uh almost five years now. i'm gonna sound real super ignorant asking this question but did you speak english before you came here yeah i, I did yeah okay. not not as well and yeah i don't speak english super well but yeah it's um I was speaking English, yeah. Your English is better than my French. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't live in France, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. It's like, you know, growing up in Canada, you know, French, Canadian French is, you know, the second language, right? But we just, yes, I and, and I, I took French class, but it's like, I really wish I could speak French, you know? Like, yeah. Is, yeah is, I have so many colleagues, yeah. So many colleagues saying like, oh yeah, I took French immersion and they can speak two words of French. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I could probably, I found, well, I, I've traveled to Morocco, right? And they speak, uh, what do we, what did my ex and I call it? Spanglish, right? They kind of speak English, Spanish, and French and they'll inter- yes. in- intermingle it, like depending on what who they're talking to. But I, I could sit there and listen to someone speak French and I could probably pick out a few words. And I'm like, okay, I think we're talking about Orange juice, I think, for breakfast. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's it's just, it's so funny how, uh, yeah, anyway, I just wish I spoke. I wish I spoke another language. You're lucky. Do you have, yeah, obviously, it's stuff. not too late. Well, it's not too late? I don't know. It kind of feels not like too it's too late. late. <laughs> it feels like it's too late. Do you still have family over there? Obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah all my family is still over there. Right. Yeah. And you get back often? Yes, I'm trying. Well, at least once a year. Oh, that's great. Uh, I'm trying. So yeah, uh, see family. Um, so yes, I'm going there end of August, uh, doing Paris, Brest, Paris, and then staying two weeks in France to see like family and friends. That's cool. So it's not even like it's kind of like you're going home, for lack of a better word, to do a, a big ride. Like it must feel very comfortable. Like yes, not like yes. not like yeah, going to does. do the Silk Road. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Familiar yeah, it is like probably my yeah probably my most like the most comfortable ride like I would go in another country to do 
<laughs> so you've only been here for five years. So, so tell me about what you think about Canada culturally. Do you think it's, what do you think about Canada? I, I really like it. Don't lie. Um, no, 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 <laughs> no I'm I will not be here. I mean, I, I will not be staying if I did not like it. Um, I think like the, the cliche of Canadian be re, being really nice is kind of true. Yeah. And most, yeah, p- people are really nice. Um, you, they are also very accessible to talk to. Uh-huh. And like they're kind of in between, uh, people in the US where they can be almost too accessible, but there's no, nothing real when you talk to someone. Like you, you meet someone and they will be too much, basically. Except that if you don't, like, if you don't know them, like they're not your friend. But if you're coming from France, for example, where nobody will talk to you if you don't know them, <laughs> it can feel really, really weird. And Canadians are in between. So I, I, I like this, this fact that you can talk to people and it's relatively easy to make friends and to meet new people. Um, I like that Canadians don't judge others, which is something that is completely different in Latin country, like France, Italy, Spain, where every, like a lot of things, like the national sport is to look at other people and just critique and, <laughs> and judge them. Like for real. Really? For That's real. interesting. Yeah. I, 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 would, and, I would say maybe we're just more subtle about it. <laughs> we're, because maybe, we're so maybe. polite, right? We won't uh, outwardly judge people. Possible, but I don't know, like, you, you can go to a cafe and be in your PJs and nobody will care. Do that in France. Like people will judge you and people will talk about it for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> there was this homeless person it's, in pajamas in the cafe. I didn't, I don't know exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, do you have an audible account? Do you listen to books? Uh, I have a Kindle account. Kindle? So I, I listen for that oh, okay yeah. if you can find this book and i've mentioned this on the podcast before mike myers um yeah yeah saturday night live guy um he wrote a yeah. book he wrote a book called canada and you should listen oh, okay. to it i mean you've only been here for okay. five years so the, i mean that's yeah. not a long time you know he's he's i guess he would be middle 50s i don't think he's in his 60s yet so kind of my age I think but he is what's that in his 60s Oh yeah, he must. Yeah, you think so? Well, maybe. Yeah, you're right. You're I right. He so. could be well yeah. into his sixties by now. But but he talks about uh, Canada, and it's it's I found yeah. I found it a really good book because I mean, as a Canadian, you know, he just talks yeah. about just how we are and why we are, like why we are the way we are. If you can if you can find it, download it. It'll be good for your Paris Press Paris just to listen to that. Yeah, you'll, that's a, that's a very good idea. You'll yeah. come back with a whole different zeitgeist, you know, a whole different vernacular of language you'll be using with your friends. <laughs> but yeah, I listened to that whole thing on on Red Meadow on the Tour Divide because yeah. what it took what yeah. like six hours to walk across it. It was like, oh my god, it was brutal. Hey, it, it took me twenty minutes <laughs> when what, I went there. <laughs> what's that? Well, uh, on the top, like the red meadow, like the top. Yeah. I mean, the climb was a few hours, yeah. but 
I did not have to work anything. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was mid of July. Yeah, because by the time you got there, that was weeks later. It was funny. Who's who was I? Oh, it was Chris Schmidt. He posted a few pictures of his divide run this year. And it's like a picture of him on a dirt road beside Red Meadow Lake. I did not see that. I saw a frozen lake, three feet of snow. Like, it was crazy, man. Yeah, Yeah, it was crazy. That's so funny. But yeah, I listened to that entire book, Walking Across (laughs) Red Meadow (laughs) Path. It's not that long of a book. But uh, no, that's cool, man. Those are kind words. Uh, Yeah, we we do get stereotyped as being super polite. And but yeah, we can be pretty judgy. <laughs> I think we can be judgy. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. But yeah, no, that's that's cool. You've only only been here five years. That's great. Um, and then, do you have any plans of moving anywhere else? Or you, no, is Canada. You no. Maybe Canada's where you're gonna yeah. stay. Yeah. Well, for now, at least, like I don't have any kids. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty easy. Easy. Uh, air quotes like to to move because of that yeah. Uh, but yeah we we're happy here right so planning to stay yeah jocelyn i really enjoyed talking to you it was really good to get to know you, a bit better. you. yeah and uh yeah i think i might let you go that's good yeah did you have a good time thank you talking to me yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, thank you, Steve, for having me. Oh and, man, it's yeah. my pleasure. Was was a pleasure. Was a pleasure talking to you. So. Like I say, you're for, the... for once, for once, it's not just once, like coming, uh, like oh, crossing on top paths. of a client and, and crossing paths and be there. Hey, Steve, how, yeah. how's it going? And yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> I don't understand how you came behind me on the buckshot. How was that fucking possible? A rider like you. Where were you? What were you doing? Were you? Oh, I was with? touring it with a friend. Oh, that's right. The dude on the road bike. Right? Yeah. Did he make it? Did he make it okay? <laughs> yeah, he did. Holy shit. It was a rando bike, but yeah, yeah. It was a he, rental? He had like, uh, no, rando, rando oh, rando bike. Okay. So. Yeah, like, uh, he still had 42 seat tires. Oh, but okay. six, so. That's Those are pretty yeah. skinny. But yeah, it, yeah, actually, while we're here, what, what did you think of that? What did you think of the buckshot? It was a great route. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, I was touring it with him. And the goal was to spend time together. He's a friend from Toronto. And um, yeah, I I had a great time. Uh, I think for him, it was a bit harder, mostly because of the terrain. Yeah. Uh, and I've also been training like crazy this year. So it was quite of an easy pace uh, for me yeah. to do it over two days. We slept for seven hours, like, and then do the one third case at were left on the second day so yeah it's it was a good route a bit too much pavement for my liking yeah there was a uh, like the highway part yeah was was re- was a bit long but um i i think i'm one of the only person who really enjoyed this section between spetsy's bridge like the the oven the <laughs> like oven oh my god it. it was 42 degrees <laughs> 42 yes. degrees yeah yeah i was just happy and i was uh yeah i had to ride bike for this section basically so it yeah. was it was easy uh for me yeah you know for me it was not easy i like i found it quite difficult that day one and then actually on day two i remember riding and then have having to stop and take a piss and i was having a pee and i was like i didn't pee all day yesterday like yeah dude <laughs> no i know and it's really it's like i i don't understand because i don't understand <laughs> 
<laughs> because I drank lots of water. I thought I did, but I, that's why I felt like shit. Like I felt so empty riding mm-hmm. that section until I learned that the restaurant was still open. And then it was, I was elated. I could not. It was uh, so good like to have this restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. What time did you guys roll in at the restaurant to the restaurant? At? Uh, six. Oh shit. 30. Yeah. I think. So you're a couple like hours ahead of us at your leisurely pace. You were still a couple hours ahead. Like screw you, Jocelyn. No, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I rolled in. I think they, they stayed open until about nine, nine thirty. but, Oh, that's super late. Yeah. Whoa, Cause they okay. closed at five and I, yes. uh, I found out that Leonard had called ahead. I, this one I'm to understand and ask them to stay open later. So yes. she got really good tips. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Really good tips. But I think I enjoyed the second day a lot more. Like that 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 climb, that big climb out of um I see I can't remember. I can't remember any of the landmarks. You know Yeah, I don't remember the name. But where, yeah, I, where I we met. You, yeah. you met at the top of that. Yeah. Um that was just so exposed and so hot. And uh by the by the time I was getting to the end, I was just I wanted it to be over. <laughs> and I started riding really fast. And then the headwind at the end, like Jeez, what in the so hell? Rough. Yeah, it was so yeah. windy. Um, but yeah, I was really happy to get that over with. Uh, I'm glad I did it because I've been wanting to do that that route for a long time, for many years. And it seems I was I was totally counting on um, mud and rain, and because it seems like every year there's like a monsoon that happens in that yes. region. Have you ridden it before that time? Uh, not the Buckshot. No, no I've ridden in that region uh, last year. Yeah. And yeah, I think a week before the bug shot, uh, there was still like snow on top of like climbs and stuff like right. that, uh, in the same area. So yeah. Yeah. 42 degrees tends to make short work of that. <laughs> <laughs> so hot. All right, man. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you and I hope we meet again out there in the world somewhere. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Definitely. Let's keep in touch. Yeah, let's please do. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome, man. See you, Jocelyn. See you. Bye. I want to thank Jocelyn again for his time and thank all of you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. You know what? It's what's incredible is how we put so much faith in our equipment, so much faith in our equipment that it's not going to fail. Um, Wheels can collapse. (laughs) handlebars can break chains can break free hub bodies can seize seat post bolts can break saddle rails can break it's like so much shit can go wrong you don't really realize it brakes can fail I had uh, a rear brake fail uh, in an event the lost elephant actually and uh, I was single speeding it I had, so I had one gear and just a front brake. And uh, when it happened and I tried to fix it on the trail, um, I made it worse. <laughs> I didn't fix it all. Didn't happen to have a bleed kit with me. And uh, and I said to myself, I'm going to fucking drag this bike across the finish line if I have to. <laughs> um, it's some good memories of that, man. But uh, we put a lot of faith in our equipment. And, um, you know, Obviously, something like this, Jocelyn had no idea that this was going to happen. 
but we really need to check our bikes when we go out. Obviously, that's not I'm being sensitive. It's not the case with Jocelyn. He's an experienced cyclist. Um, in my experience, I've seen people taking bikes out that could probably use a little bit of love. And uh, you really got to be prepared. And that was one of the main reasons why I didn't ride it. I, I could have rode it that weekend. I didn't have my kids that weekend. But my bike was in no condition to do that. And there was no way I was going to take my rig into that second half of the last elephant in the condition that it's in and just kind of hope that the sidewalls weren't going to blow out of my tires or hope that the chain that probably already had like 8,000 dry sandy kilometers on it was going to not break. So I just think it's really important to be mindful of that, um, especially when you're super remote. Um, You know, there's, as long as you're still on your feet, it's good. In this case, it could have been really bad, man. Like his bar could have broke. He could have went down in the middle of nowhere really bad and i guess the, the 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 good part about it all is that you know there's there's riders coming up from behind right so it's he would have been found regardless um and maybe someone would have an in reach and they could like text out for for a ride out but it sounds like everything worked out great with jocelyn and i really hope you enjoyed the conversation like i said at the beginning if you find value in the podcast and you want to help me out please do first you can give me a five-star rating and a review second you can send me one-time donations you can all find out all about this on my website myback40.org and you can also join up from uh sign up to be a patron on my patreon patreon.com slash myback40 sign up for five bucks and get early access to episodes so that's all i've got this week so get out there ride your bike and keep the rubber side down 